Hello and welcome to New Things Under the Sun. I'm Matt Clancy. This week's episode, Age and the Impact of Innovations. Scientists are getting older. I've got a chart here that you can't see. It's the share of employed U.S. PhD scientists and engineers in three different age ranges. We've got early career, that's under 40, mid-career, that's ages 40 to 55, and then what I'm calling late career, that's ages 55 to 75. The figure covers the 26 years from 1993 to 2019 and shows that over this period, the share of mid-career scientists fell from about half, so about half of scientists and engineers with PhDs uh, were in this 40, uh, 40 to 55 range, it fell from about half to just under 40%. Now, most, but not all, of that decline has been offset by an increase in the share of late career scientists, which is, remember, ages 55 to 75. Within the late career group, the share older than 65 has more than doubled, so that now it's about 27% of all scientists and engineers over this time period. Now, this trend is consistent across different fields. Kui Wu and Evans, 2022, look at more than 1 million scientists who have fairly successful academic research careers, and they span, they publish at least 10 articles that span a, a range of 20 years. Qui and co-authors compute the share of these successful scientists who have been actively publishing for more than 20 years, and across all fields, it's up significantly since 1980, though there is some evidence that perhaps this trend peaked around 2015. Alternatively, we can get some idea about the age of people doing active research by looking at the distribution of people of the age of people who receive grants. At the NIH, the share of young principal investigators on R01 grants has dropped from a peak of about 18% in 1983 to just 3% by 2010. The share older than 65 has risen from practically nothing in the 1980s to above 6%. Now, that data that I just quoted ends in 2010, but the trend towards increasing age at receiving the first NIH grant has continued to go up through at least 2020. So we could ask, is this a problem? What's the relationship between age and innovation? This is a big literature, but I'm going to focus on a few papers that use lots of data to get at the experience of sort of more typical scientists and inventors rather than the experience of sort of the most elite. And you can see a paper by Jones, Reedy, and Weinberg from 2014 for a good overview of kind of an older literature that focuses primarily on the age at which elite scientists make their, you know, high impact contributions. You et al. 2022 looks at about 7 million biomedical research articles published between 1980 and 2009. You and co-authors don't know the age of the authors who write these articles, but as a proxy, they look at the time elapsed since their first publication. They then look at how various qualities of a scientific article change as a scientist gets older. First up, data related to the citations ultimately received by a paper. One of the figures has the relationship between the career age of the first and last authors and the total number of citations received by a paper. And in this, in this paper by you and co-authors, they always sort of break out the results by first authors and last authors because in biomedicine, uh, that signifies a sort of very different type of contribution. The last author is often the principal investigator running the whole lab, setting the kind of overall research direction. 
the first author is sort of the person who is usually junior. They're executing the experiment, perhaps designing it, analyzing the data, stuff like that. So anyway, all these results separate them out, but they always sort of show the same trends. And if they don't, I'll, I'll sort of point that out. On the other figure, we've got the uh, a measure of the diversity of the fields that cite a particular paper. So a small number here would mean that the citations received are concentrated in a small number of fields. In all these cases, these are the kind of estimates that remain after you control for a variety of other factors. In particular, the charts control for the typical qualities of sort of a given co-author. That is, they include author fixed effects. And if you're interested in that, check out the appendix to the newsletter, because it turns out that matters a lot. And if you don't include these author fixed effects, you can get kind of confusing results. Anyway, there's statistical estimates. And so the figures should have air bars, but I omitted them, but they don't change the overall trends either. Anyway, it's a straightforward story. Pick any author at random. And on average, the papers they published earlier in their career, whether it's first author or last author, are going to be more highly cited and cited by a more diverse group of fields than a paper that they publish later in their career. Now, we've got another figure by Kui Wu and Evans from 2022, which provides some complementary data that goes beyond the life sciences, focusing attention on scientists again with successful careers lasting 20 years and proxying scientist age again by the time elapsed since the first paper was published. Anyway, they compute a measure of how disruptive a paper is based on how often a paper is cited on its own versus in conjunction with the papers it cites. And the intuition for this disruption measure is that when a paper is disruptive, it renders older work obsolete, and hence older work no longer gets cited by future scientists working in the same area. And by this measure, as scientists age, their papers get less and less disruptive. And also, separately, incidentally, papers are getting less and less disruptive over time, uh, and I discussed that in another post, but that's not really germane to this point here. Last up, we can extend these findings to inventors, too. Kaltenberg, Jaffe, and Lachman, 2021, studied the correlation between age and various patent-related measures for a set of 1.5 million inventors who were granted patents between 1976 and 2018, and this is all U.S. Uh, patents, U.S. inventors. To estimate the age of inventors, Kaltenberg and co-authors scrape various directory websites that include birthday information for people who have similar names as patentees and who live in the same city as the patentee lists uh, at the time that they were getting their, doing their research. They then compute the relationship between an inventor's estimated age and some version of each of these metrics discussed above. Once again, these results pertain to what remains after we adjust for other factors, such as uh, we include inventor fixed effects. Again, to see the appendix for more on that. Now, in one of these figures, we have total citations received by a PAT. On another, a measure of the diversity of the technologies that cite a paper. Again, lower numbers mean smaller set of fields are the ones citing this patent. And then we've also got another, the same kind of measure of how disruptive a uh, patent is using the same uh, kind of approach that Kui Wu and Evans did. And same story, as inventors age, the impact of their patented inventors measured in all of these different ways goes down. It's the same if you look at solo inventors, or you can also look at the average age of a team of inventors, you get the same story. So in all three studies, we see similar effects. The typical paper or patent of an older scientist or inventor gets fewer citations. The citations it does get come from a smaller range of fields, and they're increasingly likely to come bundled with citations to older work. Your work gets less disruptive, if that's what you want to interpret disruption as. 
And the magnitudes here are big. In you et al. 2022, that's the first paper we discussed, the papers published when you begin a career earn 50 to 65% more citations on average than those published at the end of a career. And the effects are even larger if you look at patents. So this all seems like pretty depressing news for active scientists and inventors. The average paper or patent gets less and less impactful with time. But in fact, the story is actually a bit misleading, at least for scientists. Something quite surprising is going on kind of under the surface. Liu et al. 2018 studies about 20,000 scientists, and they compute the probability over your career that for any given paper, their personal, most highly cited paper lies in the future. The results of the previous section would suggest, well, that we should expect that probability to fall pretty rapidly. At each career stage, your average citations are lower, and so it would be natural to assume that the personal, most highly cited paper you're ever going to publish, the probability that lies in, in, the, in the future is going to go down over time too, because you know your work gets lower impact on average. But that's actually not what they find. Instead, they find that any paper written at any stage in your career has about an equal probability of being your top cited paper. There's a figure that illustrates their results, and what it looks like is a bunch of dots that lie on a perfect diagonal moving from the upper left corner to the lower right corner. And each dot shows the probability that either the top cited paper or the second most cited paper or even the third most cited paper, they have three different colored dots. What's the probability that that high impact, highly cited paper for your career lies in the future as you advance through your career? The vertical axis is sort of the percent probability and the horizontal axis is sort of the stage in your career measured as the fraction of all papers you will ever publish that have been published so far. Now that can only go down because that's just how time works. There can't be a 50% chance your best work is in the future today, but then a 60% chance that it's in the future tomorrow. It has to go down. But the figure shows that it goes down in kind of a surprising way. Assuming each paper you publish has the same probability of being your all-time career best, well then, if you're 25% of the way through the publishing career, there's a 25% chance your best work is behind you and a 75% chance it's ahead of you. By the time you're 50% of the way through your publishing career, if the chance of any paper being the best is, is equal, well then there's a 50% chance you've already done it and a 50% chance it lies in the future, and so on. And that's the relationship that the figure precisely basically appears to show. So what's going on? Well, you and co-authors show that the number of publications in a career isn't constant. Through the first 20 to 25 years of a career, the number of publications a scientist attaches their name to seems to rise before sort of falling sharply. And since the average is falling over this period, but the probability of a top-sided paper is roughly constant, it must be that sort of the variance is rising. That is, the best are getting better and the worst are getting worse, in such a way that the net effect is sort of a falling average. And you and co-authors present some evidence that this is in fact the case. In one of their figures, they track the average number of citations that go to hit papers, and they do it in two different kind of clever ways. First, we can just look at your top cited paper for a career stage. So we look for, you know, years one to five, what's your top cited career paper? Uh, or sort of over your first to fifth year, which of the papers got the most citations? Over your sixth through 10th year, which paper got the most citations? And we can see how many citations they got. Unlike average citations, this actually doesn't just fall steadily to zero. Instead, it actually rises slightly for the first 20 years. Now, 
The other way that they track this question is they do something kind of interesting. They count how many papers you published in your first five years. Let's say for to illustrate you published four papers in your first five years of your career. Then for each of the next five-year career stages, they're going to find the four papers that were your most highly cited papers. Or if you published 10 in your first year, they're going to find the 10 most highly cited papers in your next five years, whatever. Then they're going to plot the average number of extra citations received to this subset of your sort of most highly cited work. And this group doesn't fall steadily to zero either. Scientists put out just as many good papers through the middle of their career as they did when they were young, but they just also put out a bunch of extra stuff that has low impact. So that's kind of interesting. It says that sort of the hits keep coming, but you additionally produce this additional lower impact work, which pulls down the average number of citations received to the average paper. But unfortunately, there's still some bad news. First, you and co-authors still find a sharp fall off in both productivity and citations to top papers after you've had 25 years of career experience. So for a scientist who first published at the age of 25, that's when you're 50 years old. And as we saw at the beginning of this post, the share of scientists who fall into this late career demographic has been on the rise. Second problem, it's not clear if these trends apply at all to patented inventions. Kaltenberg, Jaffe, and Lachman find that among inventors, the annual number of patents peaks at a, at a very young age, around age 30, and then it just falls off steadily through the rest of your life cycle. More broadly, we only really have this data for the number of citations to papers. I'm really curious to see if something as similar is going on with the disruption scores or the diversity of impact. That would be interesting because I think we also have a bunch of evidence that the nature of innovation changes as scientists age, and that might not show up in citation counts. And if you want to learn more about the nature of innovation, there's another podcast on that. Thanks for listening. And now it's time for the standard end of the episode boilerplate. You've been listening to a podcast from New Things Under the Sun, a living literature review with the mission of communicating what academia knows about innovation in accessible but rigorous research syntheses. New Things Under the Sun is a living literature review, which means I go back and update these research syntheses as new research is published or I discover it. The podcast you listen to is taken from the first published version of one of these syntheses. To see if there's been any updates about the claims made in this podcast, or to learn more about this project, head to newthingsunderthesun.com.